I think you learn more from getting it slightly wrong than you do from it working out first time because there's no learning there you can't develop welcome to graduate compass the podcast for graduates who haven't quite figured out what their next step is going to be The line you just heard is actually the last line of the interview with Lucy. And it was a line that, as I was editing this, just struck me and I thought it was worth hearing again. Because this is a chat about Lucy's career in the media, she often doesn't refer to the the brands in the way that you or I might know them. Instead, she talks about the companies that own these brands. She talks about the production companies that are hired to make the shows. So she might use some terms that some people aren't familiar with. Most of them would be fine, but there's one or two exceptions. For example, Bauer is a company that owns a lot of radio stations in the UK, same with Global, and something else isn't Lucy just kind of forgetting her wording. That is actually the name of the production company that she worked for. Everything else is self-explanatory, except for the random popping up of the word Jack. Jack's just her husband. He's an absolutely lovely fellow. Anyway, Lucy Duffield. Yeah, hi there. My name's Lucy Duffield. I'm a production coordinator and I work in the TV and audio industry. So I'm assuming with a job like that, you must have studied it at university or something? No, absolutely not. I did, um, well, it's a bit of a long story, but I did English education at Sunderland, started in 2007. Um, and the, the idea behind that degree was that you do three years but by the end of it you're a qualified secondary school teacher and I did my first two years which was essentially like an English degree and then at the end of my second year I broke my leg and I decided to take a year out because by the time I was able to walk um it would mean that I would have to go straight back to uni and I didn't really think that you know like that would that would make sense for me and so on so I took a year out I went to Australia see my family why not and then um I came back and I got put into a school nearby and and I hated it <laughs> I absolutely hated it and then I thought what, what am I going to do I don't really want to just carry on with this I am um, I just went back and I finished my degree as, a, as an English degree rather than the teacher training part Uh, And when I was at uni, I got involved with Spark, the student radio station, and I learned bits and bobs there, did various other bits and pieces and presented my own shows and stuff, and I loved it. And I was thinking, I should have done my degree in this, but I'm actually quite glad that I didn't, because it gives you other experiences, I suppose. Um, And then after university, I moved to London, and I got a job in sales um, at Global, Um, which I was not very good at because I'm not a natural salesperson. Um, And then I I was looking for an alternative position. I went for a promotion within the sales team and I didn't get it. And that just kind of made me think, well, clearly this is not the job for me. So um, I applied for a a production assistant role at a production company in London who made radio programs and I originally was unsuccessful they hired somebody and it didn't work out and then they called me and asked me if I wanted to come in for an interview and I got it and then it all just went from there really. Do you know when you were talking, I actually muted my microphone just so that I could get some better uh, audio quality. But actually, it was in stitches when you said that you absolutely hated your degree. 
I really did. I hated it. And you know when you sort of you, you do something and you think, oh, why am I doing this? This was just not. This is not for me. A, a part of me was like, should I just persevere? Should I just get on with it? Would have been selfish of me to just think about getting myself through it and not thinking about those kids who had to, you know, get GCSEs and go on to college and school stays with you for for life, doesn't it? So the the act of of just putting myself through something that I you know I wasn't enjoying just didn't seem very fair on anyone. Why then did you stick with your original English degree rather than looking for a change, especially if you had such a positive experience with Spark? Well, I kind of thought even if I decide that I want to do work in TV or I want to work in radio or I want to do something totally different, having a degree in a subject like English, which is quite is quite broad, then that sort of puts you in a better position, was my thinking at the time. You know, rather than doing a very specific thing and then perhaps not working in that industry, you kind of you learn skills, you know, doing an English degree and you know those kind of humanities degrees of, you know, critical thinking and exploring subjects and research and, and all that kind of stuff, which you would get if you did like a specific degree like radio or something. But at the time, I didn't necessarily think that was something that I could do. And I, I kind of thought let's let's stay like broad really, and um, let's not let's not niche down too much, just in case it all goes wrong like the teaching stuff did. That's that's kind of how it worked in my mind. Do you know it's really interesting because you came at it from a very obviously a very broad angle, mm-hmm. and um, I mean and. You know, I've already mentioned this so many times in the, at different points of the podcast that I studied radio, and a lot of the people who who did radio at that time were very, very, very convinced that they would go on and succeed in the industry and didn't. Mm. Yeah. What's interesting is that you didn't think you'd succeed, but did. That's very nice of you to say. I guess it is. Uh, that is interesting. I th- I also think the theory behind radio and stuff is is fascinating, and. I learned the practical side of it sort of on the job, as it were, you know, like in the Spark Studios or in the studios at something else or, you know, wherever I end up working. Um, but also, I guess part of it was just like being organised and having some knowledge of the industry, as in like so-and-so presents this show or like the, the industry like background rather than like technical, I don't know how to edit if that makes sense so for the jobs that I've done I haven't I don't need to know how to edit really my editing knowledge comes from being at Spark that's kind of where it starts and ends and the work that I have been doing is to enable the people that do know how to do that stuff and that are super skilled and talented producers to to sort of enable them to do what they need to do to make their programs as brilliant as they are how did you learn the skills to do that? I feel like those sort of skills I kind of always had. You know, I was always the organised one. I was always the one that would sort out birthdays or, would, you know, like would do those kind of things. Um, it always seemed to fall to me and I would always be very happy to do that. I was always quite organised. I love a spreadsheet and I think I'm quite methodical, so that does help. Um, 
and and I also just think like having a working knowledge of the industry really helped another thing that really helped was the fact that my now husband was obsessed with radio and he just kind of we would just talk about it like we were talking about the you know what was on Coronation Street that week you know it was just kind of like just what we talk about at home and I think just it just being the conversations that we have it just became sort of second nature by the end of it really so when you started moving into the area of working in the media why did you initially go for a sales role initially I worked at Labbrooks and I worked at one in Sunderland and then Jack got a job in London and I was sort of driven by love and followed him to London um, and I went without a job so ultimately my goal was to just get work I I didn't really know what I was doing you know in terms of like how I find a job in that sort of industry in in London or anywhere really I remember being on Guardian jobs because I thought that's where all the like good jobs would be posted and I applied for literally everything that I thought I had a chance at any sort of like graduate schemes or entry-level things and then one of them called me back it was from a it was a recruiter and I didn't even realize that was what the deal was the person that sort of took me through everything that my, my recruitment consultant or whatever um he got me a few interviews and I I guess I just sort of went along with it so the first one I had was with a company who I think were part of like Bauer, but it wasn't really like explicit. And that was that was selling like ad space in magazines, like trade magazines. And um, that was a full day's kind of like interview thing. And it was like we were all split up into groups and blah, blah, blah. And when I was in there again, I thought, I really don't want to be here. <laughs> this is just so not for me. But I'm going to stick with it and see what happens. I had a suit on. So I thought, if I bought this suit, I'm going to have to just go for it. <laughs> and um, and a girl that was in there with us, after about 10 minutes, was like, I'm really sorry, this isn't for me, and left. And I was so jealous of her, like, confidence to just go out and be that open and honest. Um, but I just still sat there like a lemon and just did the whole day. Um, but then after that, uh, they got me an interview at Global, it was for an airtime planner, so I would sell radio ads that went on, you know, during the commercial breaks on stations like Capital and Heart and Classic FM and Radio X and stuff like that. Um, and ultimately, I saw Global, and I just thought I need to be in that building. It's an, you know, it's stuff I know that you know the stations and things. So I want to be in that building and maybe see what happens from there. So I had like two days to write a presentation about each of the stations and what I thought about them and who I thought their like key sort of target audience would be and all this kind of stuff and it was it was a slog and I remembered just sort of sitting there and being really stressed out and thinking oh I'm not going to do a very good job of this but I think when I got into the interview they were sort of they were sort of surprised that I knew so much about the stations, which I think is what got me the job. 
again, I, I had I had the mic off just because I, I didn't want to wreck the audio. But I was absolutely in stitches at your description of being like a lemon. And the, I think you're just thinking about this, having having a suit on and deciding I, I have to stick this out. I was, I, mean, I, was, I spent about 70 quid on a suit from Next. <laughs> like i have to i've got to get my my wear out of this i can't believe i'm paying 70 quid to quid to sit here and hate every second of it obviously the the first interview the one when you were sitting in the suit didn't go very well do you think you would have went to the second interview had you walked out of the first i don't know actually it never to be honest as much as i would have loved to have walked out of it there was no way that I was ever going to do that. And if they'd said to me, oh, we'd love to offer you a job, I think I would have took it <laughs> because I just wanted the work and I wanted to, you know, be able to, you know, pay my way. And that's always been really important to me. But I think, yeah, I think I had no choice, really. I would have had no choice if I'd have, if I'd have got it. Because I got, I went to the EMAP thing and then the day after I got a call to say, that global wanted to interview me you know if i hadn't known that global were potentially interested in interviewing me and i'd been offered the other one i think i would have had to take it and i think things would have potentially been very different but who knows so it sounds like rather than having a specific plan that you had a vague outline and i don't want to call it desperation but let's say that you were highly motivated <laughs> no, you'd be close to desperation, I think. Yeah, I, ultimately, we moved to London. We lived, Jack worked in Harrow, which was in like zone five or something. And so we lived quite far out of central London. And my only goal really was to just get a job. And the things that I knew from doing stuff at uni that wasn't just my degree was radio. And and that was that's that's kind of the only thing that led me to it and just applying for anything and everything on guardian jobs i kind of understand up to that bit the the first kind of start of your career there's a very direct link a to b you know your your transition from being in university to to working in in radio where things get to a point where i don't really understand is that you then seem to make a very big jump into tv where things seem to have thrived and gone very well for you that's very nice of you to say well i think i so when i was in london i was part of this group called sound women and they were a sort of pro they were a sort of a body that helped improve the profile of women within the audio industry at the time it was the sony awards as they were known um, and basically every winner was a bloke. Every person handing out an award was a bloke. And Salomon was set up to kind of change that. And I, you could argue that it's been quite successful. Um, I got involved with Salomon because I wanted to meet people in London and I wanted to I wanted to sort of see where that could take me. And I just wanted to help and like do my bit and and see what I could do. And then as a result, I got to meet people in the industry that I think potentially wouldn't have been possible, you know, if I hadn't been involved with Sam Women. And then, so a woman that I met there was called Sam. She worked at something else. And I basically shoehorned in that 
because at the time they were doing um like client partnership stuff and like sponsored things branded bits and bobs and that was something that I knew a bit about from working at Global and I sort of shoehorned in a meeting to talk about some stuff that they'd done and I don't know I made something up <laughs> basically I wanted to just go in and like have a nosy around and see this incredible you know this this incredible company at work and all that sort of stuff and that's how I, I got the call back for the job and then I worked there for about two and a half years I think and obviously I'm not from London originally and neither is Jack and the sort of the, the pull of the north was was strong and we wanted to come back and we wanted to be able to live somewhere close to our families and not have to spend our sort of annual leave traveling up and down the M1 and the M6 to go and see them and I was just looking on this talent manager which is like a tv jobs board and I saw one that was in Warrington this sounds this is genuinely how he's like very simply it happened there was one that was in Warrington it's for a production coordinator and I thought well that's kind of the job I do it's something else I'm gonna um I'm just gonna apply I'm gonna see what happens and then got a call back about 10 minutes later from a lady who had worked at something else in their tv department and I'd worked with her a little bit when I was there and I had I didn't know that it was going to be her at all and she basically offered me the job and I took it and then two weeks later I was on location in Warrington to work on 999 watch your emergency for I think it was like 12 weeks so then I did that and while I was there I met a friend who works in TV in Leeds which is where I live now and suggested I go in and meet her boss at a company called True North so I went in there and I met Carol who was amazing and she said oh when you finish working on 999 I might have some work for you I thought might have some work it's better than I definitely won't have any work and um we Essentially, after 999 finished, uh, it, that finished just around Christmas. We had Christmas in London in our flat, packed up our flat and moved to Leeds on New Year's Eve. On the 5th of January or whatever it was, I started to work at True North and worked in TV production from from there. Lucy, my favourite line in that is when you said, maybe having some work is better than definitely having no work. That was it. I genuinely pinned everything on the prospect of potentially having some work in Leeds. And we'd come up before I worked on 999 to Leeds and basically had just had like a weekend away. I got to know the city a little bit, got to explore. And we had some friends that, that live here and, um, you know, they showed us around and, and we really liked it. Um, it. It felt like you know, we wanted to come back north, but we didn't necessarily want to move back to like either of our hometowns. And we wanted, so we wanted to be in a city and it was kind of Leeds or Manchester, really. So it sounds like, from what you said, that networking was a huge part of your career path and how things worked out. Genuinely, until you said that, I don't think I really realised just how important it was. So one of the things I find with the graduates I work with, and I would have been exactly the same when I finished university, is that they don't like networking. But what's interesting is, listening to your story, 
is that it sounds like you weren't trying to network, but were actually networking. Yeah, I guess I guess that's kind of it. I maybe because I didn't put that much pressure on myself. You know, when you when you want to be in a certain job, you're maybe blindsided a little bit by like, oh, I have to this I have to meet this person, and I have to I have to really impress them. And if I don't impress them, then I'm never going to work in this industry. And it, you know, like all this anxious thought just like takes over your mind a bit but I, I suppose I didn't really have that for me it was just kind of like oh this is this person and they work at this place and until I started to work in similar companies I didn't necessarily realize maybe just how potentially big of a deal that was or how good an opportunity it was so there was no pressure I didn't put any pressure on myself to like do a good job of it does that make sense? Yes, yeah, that make that makes sense. Do you know, it it actually sounds to me like networking could be described a bit like dating. Do you know that it, if someone comes on a date, regardless of who it is, if they come across too needy or too desperate, the date doesn't go well, and there there is actually the same situation with networking. If you come across too strong, you can make it harder to network for being too needy and too desperate. Yeah, well, I think. It's that first impression, isn't it? So when you meet someone for the first time, you want them to think, "Oh, that person's really cool, and they know their stuff, and they've, you know, they've they've got they've got it together." But then, you know, conversely, you don't want to be like too much. I've certainly met people at networking things and have just found them to be quite a bit, quite full on, <laughs> and and that can be a bit off-putting. So, Lucy, I think I'm kind of looking for the, the secret to networking here a bit, but how did you make those people part of your network without really trying? Oh, God, I don't know. I mean, the, the joke part of me wants to say, well, I'm a variable likable person. But um, I think it was just that I was, I wouldn't necessarily approach people that, and if they were in a conversation with somebody else, I would just be quite respectful. I'd maybe just you know, find the people that aren't really talking to anyone and just go and introduce yourself or you're maybe chatting to someone and they introduce you to another person or, you know, like someone comes to join the conversation. And it, it, I think I just treated it quite organically, really. There was no, like, strategy or plan behind how I was going to chat or you know things I was gonna say I just was kind of just was myself really and I never I never tried to be anything other obviously when you meet someone for the first time you are maybe a heightened version of yourself because you want to give a good impression but you've got to be as genuine as you can be I think people respond to that just to sort of give anyone who's listening who doesn't know you a bit of an insight you are very very easy to talk to and to chat about anything with and I'm, I'm only saying that not only because I'm talking to you but because anyone who's listening I think needs to realize how important that is to be amicable and easy to get on with right so going back to your your um your career and how it's panning out you started off with this really broad I suppose starting point and then it's getting narrower and narrower and you're kind of building a career for yourself was there a point where things up to gear to get to that level where you're at now yeah I guess when I worked at something else I 
I started off just doing things like booking cover for um, producers when they're on holiday or when people are in sick or when they maybe needed freelance support. Like that was kind of that was kind of my main job, um, and then helping out with like pitch rounds and stuff like that. But nothing. But then it sort of hit a point where that was all very straightforward and more responsibility would come to me and I would then look after radio dramas for example I would like take care of like casting and contracts with the BBC and with like actors and the producer that made it and you know potentially contract like writers Um, and it was all kind of like oh Lucy can do this but I think I felt at the time to begin with that I was thrown in sort of head first like I just did it I never thought oh how do I do this I would obviously ask if I had questions but it was just sort of like here you go this is a new part of your job once you've done it a few times you'll be fine <laughs> and, and I guess to an extent that's true but it's it was felt quite daunting at the time and I think that's when it sort of stepped up um, and I would do things like that and I would also look after a weekly audio edition of The Economist, uh, which had to be recorded and edited and everything within 24 hours, which was quite a lot of work. I just worked really hard. It just ended up being that that was the way that things were when I worked at something else. And I really thrived on it. And it felt like I was I'd stepped up a level from the person I was when I started there. Even now, I haven't worked there for about five years, maybe even more than that. And I feel like I still refer back to things that I learned when I worked there, less so for like telly stuff, which is interesting. So keeping our listeners in mind, the kind of people who have decided they're going to make a switch from the degree they've studied into another area, or perhaps they're people who are thinking about making the switch from something they studied into a different area. What advice would you offer to either make that transition or to get the ball rolling to get that transition started so a few i say a few years ago when when i worked at something else um some people from sunderland came in to see us and record this little video of me and my friend john chatting about the work that we did there and stuff and at the end we were asked like oh what advice would you give to people and john said my probably one of my most favorite lines and he basically said, if you don't ask, you don't get. He said, shy burns, get out. And at the time, I was like, yes, that makes total sense. And I still really agree with that. Like, you know, if you've got to put yourself out there. But having had the five plus years, whatever it is, to try different things and move into different industries and stuff, the thing that I think is really important is to just not put too much pressure on yourself. Like, you might think like I did I was very serious and thought I was going to be this sort of this English teacher extraordinaire all the kids were going to love me I was going to be fantastic and then that just isn't what happened for me um because it, it wasn't something that I ended up enjoying I think I learned quite a lot from from finding out that it didn't work I think you learn more from getting it slightly wrong than you do from it working out first time 
because there's no learning there. You can't develop. That was Lucy Duffield talking about her career, starting off trying to be a English teacher and ending up as a project coordinator in TV and radio. Now, usually this is the part of the episode where I sum up something that Lucy has said. I pick on one bit of it and I, I kind of highlight it. But to be honest, I don't know if I can do that with this episode. There's so many little nuggets of gold that if you didn't get first time around, you should try to listen to it again. There is a lot in this episode. So to end today's episode, I'm actually going to talk about something that happened off mic. When the interview finished, myself and Lucy and eventually her husband Jack all continued chatting about networking, the good bits, the bad bits, the bits we hated. And Jack told a little story which I thought kind of summed things up perfectly. Jack also works in the media and he mentioned that recently at an event he met someone who was really high up in the BBC. This would be an important contact for Jack's work. But instead of talking about work, the two actually bonded over something seemingly trivial. The two of them, by just sheer chance, happened to be from the same town. So they spent half an hour talking about the town they grew up in, what they liked, what they didn't like, making jokes about their town. This might seem like a trivial example of networking, but I think it sums things up perfectly, and it's something that I didn't get when I was just after leaving university. I think sometimes people can think about networking as getting something from someone, when networking is just getting to know someone, finding that connection, building that bond, and having a bit of a laugh sometimes. Anyway, I'm Keanu Sullivan. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Graduate Compass. Remember, if there is a degree subject or specific industry you would like to be featured on any future episodes, then we would love to hear from you and know what you are trying to find out. Our email is info at graduatecompass.ie.